The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. This is our flagship show, The Recap. Every Sunday night, we recap what happened in the NFL, and this is the Week 2 Recap. If you want to watch us live on YouTube, you can do so, youtube.com slash pick6. If you are listening on YouTube or watching on YouTube right now, hit the like button. If you're listening right now, you probably already subscribed, but if not, hit the subscribe button. And hit the like button, comment. You can leave us questions. We'll try to get some at the end of the show. Although I can't promise we will for this particular show because I lost my voice. So I'm trying not to talk too much. Uh, joining me to break down all the action from week two, Ryan Wilson, John Breach. What's up, boys? Breach, I'll give you two guesses as to how, if you want to take a guess, I'm not sure. You would probably know. How do you think Brinson lost his voice? I would say from talking too much, but he talks too much all the time and he's never <laughs> lost his voice. So I have no idea. Well, yes, it's from talking too much, loudly talking too much. To a uh, bunch of people that presumably didn't want to hear you. Worked well. with him for 10 years, and he hasn't lost his voice a single time. It's been some... Uh, not true. I lose my voice all the time. My voice is always hoarse like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were up in Charlottesville at a uh, at a wedding and had all a right. good old time. Went to a, uh, a bar called the Cardinal Hall or something like that on, on Saturday night. Well, really Saturday afternoon into Saturday night. And then watched mm-hmm. a, uh, a ton of football. Had a bunch of friends there. Met new friends. Was there like a marching band at the wedding? Why were you screaming? <laughs> uh, maybe I don't know. Hundred uh, percent, he he karaoke. I, I would go to a wedding with that. Yeah, actually, on band. Friday night we had been at the wedding and we were wearing you know, sport coats and button ups and <laughs> khakis and loafers so, and whatnot. And uh, a few of us were like, you know what? It's been a while since we've been to a college bar. Let's go downtown into Charlottesville, and we go to this uh, we go to this bar called uh, Boylan Heights. And we ended up hanging out and shutting down the bar with a bunch of college kids, which was hmm. uh, it was just hilarious. And somebody asked us how old we were. Or no, no, we asked somebody. The, the, one of the people I was with, the, the wife, said, "How old do you think we are?" Somebody said, "34." She goes, "You buy them all shots right now," because <laughs> you know, 34. Uh, and then we went up to White Spot, which is a little burger joint, and uh, we go in. It's like a late. They put a fried egg on the burger. We go in, and my buddy uh, looks around and goes. Everyone in here, I'm buying your burgers now. And the place loses it mine. And these people are like, how did you get so rich? It's like $36 <laughs> for like you know, 12 people's burgers. Anyway, I thought it was funny. You guys no one bought me any burgers this weekend. That's no. the depressing part of the story. It's like a $3 burger. Why are you going to make us feel bad for who we are, Brinson? 
Well, I'm just saying it was a fun weekend and it was bookended by an incredible set of games in the NFL. Maybe the maybe the early slate and the late slate weren't fantastic, but Chiefs Ravens, holy moly, is that the game has that already replaced Preach the uh the Cowboys and Buccaneers game as the game of the year. Baltimore wins 36-35 in Baltimore, covering, of course, winning outright and uh the the over naturally hit. Well, that Cowboys-Buccaneers game got replaced by Seahawks-Titans, which immediately got replaced less than three hours later by Chiefs-Ravens. Look, I'll be honest, when the Chiefs went up 35-24, to 24, I was about ready to turn off the game, send you guys a text, like, let's just start recording now. Nobody, The Chiefs aren't blowing an 11-point lead. That stuff just doesn't happen. And the reason it doesn't happen is because they just always keep scoring. Like, that's, that's why teams... Score in the fourth quarter. Right. That's why teams can't come back. It's not because the other team can't score. It's because the Chiefs keep scoring touchdowns. And if they keep scoring, it you can't come back from 11 points. And so I think the most surprising thing here wasn't necessarily that the Ravens, you know, got the 36 points. They've got a high powered offense. They have Lamar Jackson. It was the Chiefs just like melted down, down the stretch. You look at the their last three possessions. They turned it over. Uh, on two of their final three possessions, the first one was Patrick Mahomes throwing an interception. I don't know what he was doing. He was falling forward while yeah. getting tackling and trying to make a play. And I know Patrick Mahomes makes plays all the time. But when you are leading by 11 points at that situation in a game, just fall down. Just take the sack and punt it. It's okay. Um, and then obviously the Ravens went down and got a touchdown. So all of a sudden it's a one-score game. And then obviously we saw that Clyde edwards lair fumble that it, it was – you can't do that. I mean, you just well credit to Owe, the the the, the rookie pass rusher who got his hand in there and sort of peanut punched it. Well, right, but when you're in that situation yeah, in the I mean, game in the final two minutes, you're expecting everyone to be trying to punch the ball out, unless you're Jeremy Hill, right, Wilson? <laughs> Ooh, uh, but self- anyway. Self- but so you've got to be prepared for that. You have to have the ball covered up. And you know what the funny thing is, is that I feel like the only reason the Chiefs caught a pass play is because they got downfield so quickly and they're like, oh, we probably need to run some clock so Lamar doesn't get you the mean ball the back. Right. No, no, they were, I mean, Al and Chris were talking, they were on the broadcast going like, I mean, you know, look, the, the clock is working the Chiefs' favor. The Ravens have one timeout left. I thought it was clear there. They almost really should have passed it, done like a short pass out and then run it after that. That was the only run they called on that drive. So it was, I mean, the Ravens had a great comeback and I, you know, like John Harbaugh made the call of the year on that fourth and one, but it was the Lamar Jackson ended up converting, but it was. The How Chiefs. awesome was it when he, he goes down the field and you can see him, you know, the, the great job by NBC, they had the camera on him. He's going, Lamar, Lamar, do you want to go? And he's like, ask him once. He's like, all right, let's go. Like, imagine how viral that would have gone if Lamar said no and they sent out the punt team. Oh, <laughs> like, that could have yeah, been the way. They, they showed the analytics afterwards. It was like 66% chance of winning if you punt, 99 if you get it, and then like 33 if you – I mean, so it's just but, but here's the thing. I mean, John Harbaugh, sort of like Kevin Spansky, they have a plan. They stick to it analytically. And, you know, we hear Mike McCarthy talk. Mike McCarthy did some dumb things in that game we'll get to later. Um, but we hear Mike McCarthy talk about it. Mike Tomlin was – extremely conservative today as well. I don't understand when you see these teams have success, when you see a team like the Baltimore Ravens with 457 people on the IR and still find a way to win because they have their quarterback and that running game. Why don't you do those things? It's not complicated, but uh breach. I'm going to steal your fun fact. I can't believe you didn't do it. First interception in September for Patrick Mahomes. Mm. How'd you miss that one? You've been talking about it all week. Lost in First September. Lost for Patrick Mahomes. And here's your fun fact, Ryan. 
Monday, right now, right this second, marks the first time since 2016 the Chiefs have not been in first place in the AFC West. That's five years. Also, Uh also, maybe more importantly, if you ask me, the first time, Wilson, that the Ravens with Lamar Jackson have ever beat the Chiefs. Does this have a potential Michael Jordan versus the bad boy Pistons vibe to it? I don't know. I, I mean, this is the second week of the season. Like the first week of the season, we we overreacted in, in one direction. Credit to me and Brinson, not you, Breach. Me and Brinson both picked the Ravens to cover three and a half. Yep. Uh, and they did it. And well, look, when they were down eleven, I was like, yeah, 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 I need some crazy stuff to happen for it to for it to be a three point game. And, and the Chiefs, I, I presume, was going to win, but we saw how it ended up. But I think in terms of the long term, we're just sort of calibrating. Last week we overreacted in one direction. We're sort of coming back to the middle now. There'll be some overreactions about the teams that are 2-0 and 0-2 and as we move to next week. But I think this is a great win for Baltimore because now everyone <laughs> – last week the Steelers and the and the Bengals were the first-place teams in the AFC North. Now everyone's tied at 1-1, one and one, and we're basically back to square zero the, the day before the season started. But I think this is a huge win for Baltimore because you don't want to get down 0-2, even in a division where you're probably going to end up being the first or second-best team. Uh, and also have to carry with you for the rest of the season. Oh, God, my, oh my God we can't be the Chiefs. If we're going to get to the Super Bowl, we're definitely going to have to go to Kansas City anyway. But I think Breach is exactly right. The interception by Patrick Mahomes was annoying, but you're willing to live with that because that's what Patrick Mahomes does in every single pass. They usually just end up being completions. The Clyde Edwards-Alaire fumble is unacceptable. Like, that cannot happen. Uh, Ad- that's the first fumble of his NFL career. Yeah, Adafi Oway. Amazing. And it's funny. Last year when I did the four million mock drafts every week, I had Oway going to Baltimore and several of them. And I remember, and I won't name names, but uh, uh, Baltimore radio uh, host said to me, why were they going to draft someone who didn't have, who had zero sacks last year at Penn State, which is true. Name I names. Said, it was Vinny Serrato, who I like a lot. Oh, we need to get that clip and you to play it. Oh, no. Vinny's play cool. The music. Vinny's cool. Um, me and him are boys. But uh, that's why. he had. A, I think he had a sack earlier. On uh, he was disruptive earlier in the game. I think it was a sack on on um, Patrick Mahomes, and of course he had the the strip on Clyde Edwards-Alaire. And, and again, if that ha- I mean, if that fumble doesn't happen, the game's over. They're going to kick the game. Yeah, Harrison Bucker's making that kick there. I mean, we we're actually overshadowing a couple things. Number one, they shut down Tyree Kill, which is enormous. They had no answer for Travis Kelsey because you can't stop both. That no. Travis Kelsey touchdown run was one of the best runs we've seen certainly this season, but. Probably top five. He had go back in the last three yards years. over yards after catch above expectation according to next gen stats, which is that's more than that's more than a quarter of the field. Like that's crazy. Like he ended up he should have been stopped a quarter of the field sooner than he was, and he ended up going to the end zone. Well, and when they shut downhill, Patrick Mahomes did what he does. He just goes to other people. It wasn't just Kelsey, Byron Pringle, who have we even did we mention his name more than like five times all of last year? And he should come up big with a touchdown, two Mark, catches. Demarcus both, Robinson had a touchdown. That both went for over 20 yards, 40-yard catch, 23-yard catch. Uh, Nicole Hard- Hardman came up pretty big. Like Patrick Mahomes just kept finding – he finds new people to throw to, and that's what makes the Chiefs' offense so difficult to stop unless they shoot themselves in the foot, which is what they did at the end of this game. And by the way, Breach, um, if the Chiefs had won that game, you know who would have been the defensive NFL week, MVP uh, week, player of the week week two? It's on your little soundboard there, Brinson. Tyron oh. Matthew. Yeah. I mean, he had the pick six to start the game. Had no, he almost had the delayed. third pick. Almost had the third pick in the end zone that uh, Hollywood Brown had the ball knocked loose. That would have been a touchdown late in the game, late in the fourth quarter. So, I mean, there are 
45 to 50 different storylines, just depending on what happened last. But, and, and there were like, there was one or two insane throws from Patrick Mahomes. Like going back to the interception, he was, he, and then Lamar Jackson had like two pop passes or jump passes. It was just, it was just craziness after craziness. Neither defense could really stop anyone until we saw the Ravens really step up in the fourth quarter. And yeah, I don't even know if they stopped. I think just Clyde Lair had a brain fart. A great play again by Owe. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, the 70, think, there were 71 total points scored, so it was like the defense. But if you're the out. Ravens, I would the thing I'm most optimistic about, besides the fact that you won the game, is that Lamar Jackson looked like a good passer. You know, when they played Monday night, the Raiders just kept forcing him to throw the ball, and he just struggled. And that's the, eventually the Ravens' offense couldn't move it. But tonight, on Sunday night, mm. I, he's throwing the ball a lot. Except, get the pick six out of his system. You take that well, out. He overthrew Hollywood Brown early in the game. Maybe that was just nerves. He overthrew him by like five yards. It would have been a touchdown. And the pop passes Brents are talking about, they're incredibly impressive. Where Tebow would do a five-yard pop pass where you mostly right. do the pop pass. He was doing 35-yard pop passes in the air. So that's impressive, but I don't know if that's something you can replicate from week to week. So he's, he was better. He wore out um, Mark Andrews, which certainly isn't a surprise. But after that, I mean, Sammy Watkins slipped on the other, uh, the other interception, which wasn't Lamar's fault. But after that, he wasn't throwing the ball a lot. He only had uh, 26 attempts, 18 carries. That said... And, you know, this sort of supports what you're saying anyway, Breach. He rushed for 107 yards, had two more touchdowns. So he ended up with three touchdowns total, two interceptions. And I think you can live with that against the Chiefs team where you're going to have to, you know, you're not going to win by scoring 10 points. Yeah, I don't think I don't think it necessarily, um, you know, look at this. And, I mean, it, it doesn't change the landscape of the AFC. It does put the Ravens right back in there as, a, you know, in the mix to try and find the number one seed, to try and win that division. Um, but I think both of these teams are just going to be there at the end of the year. They both look really good. Baltimore's uh, rush offense came together really nicely, especially after all those injuries. All right, Titans 33, Seahawks 30, the final in overtime. The Seahawks had won 52 straight games in which they led by 15 points or more. This is their first home loss after leading by 15 points since 2004. And Derrick Henry, oh boy, after doing mostly nothing, ended up getting loose in the second half and running for 182 yards Wilson which Titans team or actually I just breached the Nashville guy so breach which Titans team is the real Titans week two or week one I would say definitely more week two I think week one was rock bottom for them I don't think we'll see them play that bad again all season uh you know and the crazy thing is during pregame, they lost Taylor Luan, who had to leave because he injured himself in pregame. So all of a sudden, you feel like you're down your left tackle. I think Roger Sapple got hurt, too. So you're you're hurting on the offensive line, which makes you think they should have played worse in the second half. And somehow they completely turned things around. I mean, this team was down 24 to 9. Uh, and then, you know what? It's like somebody sent Todd down in the offense corner like, hey, bro, you know that crazy stuff you're doing? Just give the ball to Derrick Henry. It's all you have to do. <laughs> And that's going to work. And then that's what they did. It was Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry. And then when the Seahawks got up there and tried to stuff Derrick Henry, they let Ryan Tannehill throw the occasional pass. And, you know, I think if you're the Titans, it isn't just that you pulled off the offensive comeback. It's that you held the Seahawks scored 24 points in the first half and then only got six in the second half. So like your defense, what got which got smoked in week one, comes back in week two and kind of shuts down the Seahawks in the second half. So I thought both the fact that the offense and defense really came together in the second half. Uh, if you're a Titans fan, if you are the Titans, you have to feel pretty good about yourselves going forward. There are a lot of comebacks this week, and this was one, again, 
I had the, the Titans covering. It was five and a half. So I was interested just watching this game towards the end because I felt like it was going to be uh, a blowout uh, for two back-to-back weeks for the wrong reasons for the Titans. But as Breach noted, they outscored the Seahawks 24-6 to six, uh, in, in the fourth quarter, not the, not the second half, the fourth quarter. So, I, I mean, I, I don't know why. So what was the score at halftime, Breach? I'm trying to – 24-9. to why aren't you just running the ball in the second half? Why are you throwing the ball if you're Seattle? Why aren't you just leaning on, on Chris Carson uh, to, to do the heavy lifting? He finished with 31 rushing yards. Uh, yes, he had two touchdowns. But it feels like to me there's no reason to, to throw the ball and throw the ball and throw the ball some more. Tyler Lockett had a big game, which is Tyler Lockett's secretly the best player in the NFL. He's been that way for the last four years, yeah. it feels like. He's he's what Robert Woods used to be, the most underrated receiver in the NFL. Every time you look up, he's catching a, a bomb. Russ Wilson – Continues to be. I believe he's going to be after this week. He'll be the number one fantasy wide receiver in uh, in, in football. Uh, DK Metcalf came off hobbling. I know that uh, uh, AJ Brown. It's AJ, right? I'm like so so tired. Yeah, <laughs> he had a few drops. Did you, his, did you see his tweet afterwards? What did he say? He said someone from my family just texted me and said you couldn't have caught COVID today. Oh, I mean he he did not look <laughs> great. And in fact, the thing is, I was watching him. I was going, I said, oh, Julio looks terrible, but Julio is now number two. He's no longer yeah. number 11. So Julio went six for 128. So he wasn't the problem. I thought Ryan Tannehill showed a lot of toughness down the stretch. Um, and he's, he's, he's another guy who's underrated. We don't talk enough about how good Ryan Tannehill is. But the storyline, of course, is Derek Henry showing up in the second half or letting him, uh, to, to borrow a phrase from Russ, let him eat in the second half. And then finally, as Breach noted, the defense. I saw Bud Dupree get after it late in the game, forced Russell Wilson to mistake. So, I mean, that's good news for a team playing in a not great division where every other team in the division lost today. That is correct. And every other team in the division has looked pretty terrible. And as we get to, Carson Wentz is hurt. The Seahawks, I mean, Russell Wilson hit Freddie Swain, Swain, excuse me, for 68 yards for a score on a busted coverage play. With 14 minutes to go in or 13 minutes to go in the fourth quarter, the Seahawks are up 30 to 16. But it's also, also that, on that play, Brinson, that was on third and eleven. Yeah, like they were I mean, it's shocking that they lost that game. And I've got Titans fans chirping at me, like, oh, you were dead wrong about this game. It's like, no, not really. Some some weird stuff happened, but the Seahawks should have won this game and covered easily, right? Yeah. Can I ask one question? Yeah. How did how did the Titans win? Are we going to mention his name? Are we allowed to? Is that mean? Can we delete? Oh, oh fat Randy. Can we delete yeah. the soundbite? Is that what that means? Did Randy graduate? Oh, oh, he missed! He missed! Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, I should have started off with that. It's mm-hmm. it's redemption time for Fat Randy Bullock. Randy Bullock made the game-winning field goal, a thirty-six-yard kick, and it uh it uh it snuck in. Like the announcer's like, uh oh, oh, and it's in by the hair. Well, and it's crazy because I actually I could feel Mike Rabel like, man, do I send the kicker out there? Because Bullock yeah. missed a 44-yard field goal in the third quarter that was huge at the time because it would have cut the lead to 24-19 so that you're not playing that, you it know, was you more than one when he kicked. Oh, right, 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 right. And then it was like, why didn't you or no, it was fourth and five when he missed the field goal. You're, no, yeah, so yeah, when yeah. When he made the field goal in overtime, it was fourth and one. Right, 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 right. And so it was like Vrabel, I'm sure everyone on that sideline was like, coach, why aren't we going for this? Why are we putting this on the, the leg of our kicker who has already missed a field goal and has struggled in the clutch? Um, but, you know, that's how you get a kicker confidence, especially hitting one in Seattle where the fans are allowed. That's not an easy environment to kick in. And you know what? Jason Myers, Seahawks kicker, he missed an extra point on the only touchdown Seattle scored in the second half. Otherwise, 
you know, this game's 31 to 30 and the, and the Titans would have had to go for two on that last touchdown at the end. So that kind of changed the complexion of the game also. And the other thing I will say about the Titans defense is that they played really well. The the thing that blew them up was two kind of blown coverages. You mentioned the Freddie Swain one. The Tyler Lockett was kind of a blown coverage. They had two guys there, but they were both about seven yards away from him. So that usually doesn't happen unless somebody got a little confused. So you're talking about the Seahawks getting 125 yards and two touchdowns on two plays where the Titans secondary just got completely lost. But you, besides those two plays, the Titans defense was really good. You, the Seahawks didn't really put any uh, drives together because you, know, you know those were just long score touchdowns. So I was actually really impressed with the way Tennessee played. All right, before we move on, you guys say his name. And I was also impressed with Randy Bullock's game-winning field. There it is. <laughs> oh, we missed! So, Breach, Breach lives in, let me ask quick. Breach lives in Nashville. He's obviously a Bengals fan. Did you want Randy, Randy Bullock to miss that kick? I, I didn't. I like. I, okay. I, I don't cheer for kickers to miss. I don't want them to, which we'll talk about, because we're going to get to a kicker who actually missed a clutch field goal. I actually get nervous watching kickers in a situation like that. Um, and Wilson, as you noted, cause I think you put it in Slack fun fact for this game. That was the first time Pete Carroll has ever lost a home opener since he took over as coach of the Seahawks in 2010. He had been 11 and O and he lost to Randy Bullock. It was pretty crazy that the Titans can come back by just pounding the ball with Derrick Henry. Like that shouldn't be possible, but it did happen. The Colts, uh, tried to come back against the Rams. They felt just a bit shy and also fell to O and to the Rams are now 13 and O no 39 and O, excuse me, under Sean McVay when leading at halftime, including the postseason. They were two and over the four straight season. Before the stretch, they've not been 2 0 since 2001 season. Cooper Cup, nine catches, 163 yards, two touchdowns, and a 27 24 victory for the Rams. Maybe most importantly, Carson Wentz suffered an ankle injury that kept him from returning. Uh, Frank Reich said it stiffened up and that he wasn't able to come back out there, which is an ominous sign for the Colts' future. It's also ominous for the Eagles getting that first round pick. Not a dunk, but just a, just a reality of him not playing. Yeah, it is true, yeah. Uh, a lot of things happened. Last week, in week one, Carson Wentz played pretty well, and he just got beaten to death because the offensive line wasn't very good. But we saw a lot of the same things from Carson in week two that we saw throughout his Eagles career in that he likes to hold the ball. He tries to make plays. He sometimes makes poor decisions, a la Patrick Mahomes, in terms of like throwing the ball over his head. He did that a couple times. And I was He threw an interception on a shovel pass. I mean, that can't happen down in the red zone or anywhere, frankly. That is, that is, I, I don't. I'm sure I've seen it before, but I don't remember seeing it. An interception on a shovel pass? Yeah. Or a shovel pass, right, yeah. No, I've seen, yeah, I've seen shovel yeah. pass before. <laughs> right. An interception on a shovel pass. Like, the whole Literally, point, the whole point of the shovel pass is that you don't turn the ball over because it's it's a pass, not a, not a handoff, and it won't give me a fumble. So I, I feel like he's still stuck in the rut of having to do too much because he thinks that there aren't people around him to help carry the load. And I'm sure Frank Reich has tried to coach that out of him. And it's just me speculating. I don't know, but it feels similar to to Philadelphia. And then, of course, he got hurt. Jacob Eason comes in, immediately throws an interception when they're down and, and trying to, to mount a comeback. And, and then the wheels sort of fall off. Well, and that's the crazy thing is that if Carson Wentz would just trust Frank Reich and trust this system, the Colts probably could have been up like 27 to 10 at halftime. I mean, you're looking at two of their first three possessions. Both got inside the Rams' three-yard line, and they came away with zero points. If you get inside the other team's three-yard line, that's a guaranteed 
field goal at the minimum, but you shouldn't be going for a field. You should be going for a touchdown. They got zero points both times. They got stopped on a goal line stand on their first possession. They got first and goal from the one yard line, had four straight plays from the one, Mm. did not score. And then the Rams got the ball, scored a touchdown. Now you're down seven, nothing second possession. They go get a field goal, seven, three. And then the third possession, the Colts drive right back down the field get to the three-yard line, and you're thinking there's no way they can get this far and not score again. And then, boom, you get the shovel pass interception that Ryan was talking about. So instead of giving getting maybe two touchdowns, you're down seven to three, and you know, you're, you don't, you're kicking yourself because you have no idea how that happened. And so yeah, I thought that was the difference in the game was that the Colts came away with zero points on two possessions uh, inside the three-yard line. And, and the Rams almost gave the game away in the second half after they kind of took more control when they had that crazy special teams mistake where the long snapper punted, snapped oh. it off the punt protector, and then the ball rolled in the end zone. The Colts picked it up, uh, and then that gave Indy a 21-17 lead, almost led to Sean McVay's first loss uh, after having a halftime lead. But then Matthew Stafford led the comeback, and the Rams won. So I, I thought the Colts dominated the first half but didn't take advantage of it. And then the Rams just. Well, and, and so the play where Wentz was hurt, I believe it was a third and five, which is the, the next to last play of the drive. And then the Colts kicked a field goal to make it 24 all. They, You could see Wentz they, when he went to the sideline and he's talking to the trainers. He, his head is in his hands. And he knows. You, it just seemed like he either knew that he wasn't going back in this game or that this is going to be something that lingers for a little bit. And that should be extremely concerning, I believe. I will say this. One of the overall sort of takeaways this week and last week, actually, Defenses aren't very good. Like the Rams weren't stopping anybody. It, yeah. Like they're chock full of uh, Hall of Famers and first round talents. Um, and the Colts like losing are, Troy Hill and Josh Johnson, I think, is, is is hurting them right now. Yeah, but you have Aaron Donald. You have Jalen Ramsey. You had no, they have a Stars and Scrubs roster, but you can. And by the way, I think it was Aaron Donald who sacked Wentz, or almost. Wait, wait, he got the throw away, and it was short, but he he pulled him down on the on the play. He got hurt. Yeah, but my over my overarching point remains like the, the no defenses are really shutting people down. Correct, um, and. What's most important in today's NFL more than anything is having a franchise quarterback. Agreed completely. And now they don't have one. And Jacob Eason might be their starter playing. Oh, if Jacob Eason, if like if if Carson Wentz is out for the year, all of a sudden that uh, the bet that I, I made the bet. I think we talked about the podcast, but I bet the Colts have the worst record in football. If Carson Wentz is just out like three to five weeks, you have a shot at that. Yeah. No, stop it. Stop. Why? It. An outside shot. Did they play in the same division as the Houston ja- uh, Houston Jaguars? They play in the same division as the Houston Jaguars. And the well, the Houston Texans have one, and the, the Houston Texans have one more win than the than the Colts. Would you rather be the Jacksonville Texans or the Houston Jaguars? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. think all the Texans in Florida would be a little weird. So probably Houston Jaguars. I'd rather live in t- I'd rather live in Houston than. Uh, oh uh, wow! Those you are got family in Jacksonville. Jeez, Brinson. Yeah, I'd have to see my family. The Jacksonville's already got Christmas. enough hanging over their head right now. Why do you got to say stuff like that? That's what I got the Colts at. I got the Colts at uh, 25 to 1 for the worst record in football. Yeah, what a jerk. <laughs> it's, like, it's like rooting against Carson Wentz. Not for him to get hurt, obviously. The Cardinals, 34, Vikings, 33. Oh, boy, Breach. Tough spot. Kyler Murray became the only player in NFL history to throw over three-plus touchdowns and run for a score in the – at least one touchdown rushing. In the first two weeks of the season, of course, the Vikings covered as plus three-and-a-half-point dogs. The over hit quite easily, although the pace slowed down significantly in the second half. And there's a very unfortunate moment where we Jeez. saw – I guess I can bring it up on my phone if that's not – Debo hates when I do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, where? I believe it's Paul Allen, right, is the, the – uh, not the late Seahawks owner, but the the Vikings play by play guy, who poor guy 
did the call of the the end of this, and oh, I can't find it. Would you do it? This is like the whole Vikings franchise in a nutshell. Yeah, I'm trying to find it. Hold on. I just put it in Slack. There you All go. Right. Thank God for breach. Well, yeah, that's very nice of you. All right, let's see if we get this to go in here. Let's see. He comes out. He goes. It is good. Oh no, he missed it right. Like I, I don't know. Maybe I mean Paul Allen's a legendary play-by-play announcer, but maybe just wait a hot second and like make sure it's, it's like the uh, Florida State Jacksonville State. I think it was Jacksonville State lost here, right? End of the game where the Florida State announcers are just beside themselves, and you can hear someone throw the headset in the background. <laughs> like, dang, gummit. Could you imagine, like, driving your car, listening to this radio car? I want to know the, how many car car crashes there were in Minneapolis when this happened. Like, oh, like hands off the steering wheel cheering, and then, like, banging your head against the steering wheel because you found out. Two-second roller coaster of emotion. Kick. For real. And, I feel and, bad for my buddy Josh Saldine, who is a uh, lifelong Vikings fan, Minnesota guy, podcast listener, was here in Raleigh uh, on Saturday for the state game, and then uh, maybe on Friday. But either way, he flew out to Vegas. The good news is he listened to the, the best bets pick spot, and I think we went like uh, RJ and Pete went 10 and 4, and I went, uh, I think we were like 14 and 6 combined. So that's good news. The bad news is, as a Vikings fan, that would be a tough beat to deal with. The worst. I mean, in case that announcement did, or the radio call did not make it completely clear, Vikings missed a 37-yard field goal on the final play of the game, which is the most Vikings thing ever. We're talking about the franchise that has Blair Walsh missing a chip shot against the Seahawks in the playoffs, Gary Anderson in the NFC title game that one year. This franchise just has no luck with kickers. The one thing I will say and it's funny because my bridge quickly, Greg Joseph mixed, missed an extra point too. Greg Joseph did also miss an extra and point. They lost by which, one, which, which is kind of big when you lose by one. Yeah. And, and so because Greg Joseph missed an extra point, you have to ask yourself <laughs> what in the world was Mike Zimmer doing? Uh, the, the, the Vikings got down to the Cardinals 19 yard line uh, with about 35 seconds left, plenty of time to run one or two or three more plays and Zimmer said at the end after the game was over that he felt like they were close enough like bro you're never close enough when it's a clutch field goal this is you don't get kicked on first down like kicked on first down because they called a timeout with four seconds left so they didn't even try to run another play they could have uh and maybe it was that on second and one cousins hits uh uh Kasim Osborne to the to the for eight yards to the 19 with KJ 30, yeah, KJ, excuse me. With like 30 seconds left, and they let the clock run down, call timeout, and then go for the kick. Yeah, I mean, I get it, but if and you don't, you don't want to use your timeout, you could spike the ball there. And, and, and it's second down, but the clock stopped, and you still have your timeout. And so maybe Zimmer's haunted by that Dalvin Cook fumble last week where he felt like they were going to win, and then, you know, Cook fumbles, Bengals yeah. recover, and maybe that's why he decided to kick right then. But if you can get closer, Get closer. There's no reason not to get closer, especially when, hey, do you know how far an extra point is, Mike Zimmer? 33 yards. This is four yards further than that. Your guy already missed a 33-yard kick. So, uh, you know, Greg Joseph has to make that, but I don't know why coaches just think their kickers automatically going to – clutch kicks are the most nerve-wracking for kickers. That's when they miss. Kyler Murray is – someone. I think someone on Twitter described him as this, or my buddy texted me and said that he's read it there. He's like, he's like, he's like Mario when he eats a star. 
He's, I mean, like, that's what he's like. He's just the way he runs around that quarterback draw for that rushing touchdown. It's in like Lamar Jackson is really fast. It's insane to watch how quick, like how quick Kyler Murray gets off from his spot and is just moving down the field. He's running left and right. He finishes 29 and 36, four to passing yards, three touchdowns, two picks. Uh, Rondell Moore, by the way, big game, seven catches, 114 yards and a touchdown. Fumbled on the goal line, had the ball ripped out of his hands. Otherwise, he would have had a bigger game. Um, this Cardinals team feels like they're good. Right. The the fumble was overturned, though. Oh, was it? Yeah, yeah. I think it was. Because um, oh. uh, it was recovered, and Nick Vigil, I think, had one foot out of bounds when he recovered it, so they brought it back. But, yeah, he played a huge game. He's electric uh, out of Purdue. Uh, I think second-round pick. Uh, let me ask you this. Like, I, I, I'm not, I mean, I don't think this is groundbreaking stuff, but Kyler Murray is electric, and he might be the most exciting player in football. I don't know if Cliff Kingsbury is a good coach. I just know that he has Kyler Murray and a lot of playmakers, so maybe that's the solution to mediocre coaching and something that Mike Zimmer should look into. Just get a bunch of playmakers on the offensive side of the ball and let them go to work. But let's say you're, let's say you're the Patriots. Would you rather have Kyler Murray or Lamar Jackson? Um, if if I was the Patriots, Lamar Jackson. Breach. Probably Kyler. I'm going with Kyler. Like I think, team, I think I Kyler Murray is a better passer. I think the Patriots' offense, the way they want to run their offense, would be better with Lamar. But I, I mm. can see the case that you would rather have Kyler than Lamar. Yeah, I, I the way Kyler's played these first two weeks, and nothing against Lamar. We know who Lamar is, but we're sort of to see Kyler grow into his, uh, what he can do. I think Kyler makes more acrobatic, insane throws than anyone other than Patrick Mahomes, and certainly more That's than fair. Lamar Jackson. But he makes he threw two interceptions as well, and there were some there were some of and the, one of them was pick six. Right. So it's a Patrick Mahomes, like, what are you doing at the end of the game type interceptions where you have to sort of live with it. Um, Kyler Murray only rushed for 31 yards, but he can run. But he, he seems to his go to move is like, you know, he's four feet tall. His go to move is to backpedal like he's a 1965 quarterback and just heave the ball in the air. And somehow people are wide open. It's 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 incredibly fun to watch. On the other side, Kirk Cousins, no turnovers, very efficient. Dalvin Cook ran for 131 yards. Uh, you mentioned Osborne. He led the team rushing. Uh, Justin Jefferson played well because he always says Adam Thielen had an awesome touchdown grab. Um, this team played well enough to win. Like, this is probably the most debilitating loss, one of yeah. the most debilitating losses of the week because you lost last week to Cincinnati. I had no faith in the in the uh, Vikings coming into this game. They played really well, should have won. And now you you have nothing to show for it. You're 0-2. It's the good news is you will only be one game back of anybody in the division, no matter what happens tomorrow night or to, um, tonight, I guess, Monday night in uh, – in- the problem is you can't finish second because this you're not going to go to the playoffs finishing second in that division. One thing I have to mention this game oh, is right before halftime, Matt Prater. Oh, that was that's right. Yeah, drilled a 62 yard field goal. There have only been 12 field goals in NFL history of 62 yards or longer, and Prater now has one. He has two of them now because he has the NFL record, which was a 64 yarder which he set when he played for the Broncos and he went out and he crushed this thing. This thing had at least five more yards on it. Uh, and obviously again, you win by one point, that kick ended up being huge. Um, so yeah, you should have with that breach. That was, that was a huge kick. It didn't have five more yards on it. It probably had so many, maybe, maybe two. This week. Uh, all right, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about the NFC East and discuss Ooh. the Eagles sinking playoff hopes. <laughs> Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. 
Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So the Cowboys-Chargers game, uh, which I had said was a lock to go over, didn't quite get there. The Cowboys scored 20 points. The Chargers scored 17. Cowboys plus three wins and the under, of course, hits. This was, I don't necessarily think it was a bad call on the over. It was just the Cowboys and the Chargers doing Cowboys and Chargers things that like dumb mistakes that ultimately led to no points being scored. There were a ton, ton of penalties, uh, mostly on the Chargers. Chargers had 12 penalties for 99 yards. Cowboys had eight for 76. And, uh, you know, that that just, I don't know how long the game lasted. It felt well, like there were multiple taunting penalties, too. Four which... days. There's a dumb one called on Keenan Allen. I mean, this stuff, someone put it, pointed this out on Twitter, and it's exactly true. Why are we answers to questions no one was asking? We don't care about taunting. Fans don't care. Players don't care. No one's ever gotten a fight for taunting. You stand over someone and point at them because they dropped a ball. That's fine. Who cares? Like, if you knock some guy out and he, he's, not, he's not awake and you taunt him, I, I think that's a penalty. Other than that, if you're it's a competitive sport. It's not like you're working at McDonald's and you're taunting the guy at the cash register because he didn't, you know, cash the guy out fast enough. Are you like, are you driving down the highway? You swerve your car to the left, like ram into somebody, pull over to where they crash. You're like, gotcha. <laughs> I mean, what are we doing? I, I will say this though, man. I just spent the last few minutes talking up Kyler Murray. Justin Herbert's my QB one. He is so, so, so good. He had two interceptions. I can't remember the interceptions. Now Trevon Dix had one of them. By the way, Teron Dix, we were dumping on him last year. He's good. He, he's, making, he's making a lot of turnovers. I'll give him credit for that. But Justin Herbert played great. Dak Prescott played great. Uh, Zeke Elliott showed up. Tony Pollard was running all over the place. Again, this is another example of defenses. I'm talking about the Chargers because we didn't expect much of the Cowboys defense. Chargers defense wasn't able to stop anyone. And so you're relying on your franchise quarterback. And he got you most of the way there. Uh, but down the stretch, uh, mistakes piled up. And, and then the Cowboys found a way to win. I got to find the exact. Mike McCarthy did something in the game. I'll look it up. I, I do think there is a, I mean, a little bit of concern with uh, Justin Herbert's decision making. Uh, obviously, just a second year player, but this is the second week in a row where he has had two turnovers. And I know one of them was controversial last week against Washington, where you know they ruled a fumble, even though it probably should have been an incomplete pass. But he did have a bad interception against Washington. He did the same thing here where they got in the Cowboys territory. This is Brinson saying the over should have hit, but these weird things kept happening. And two of those weird things were these interceptions. They got inside the nine yard line. Herbert throws an interception. They got inside the Cowboys 33 yard line. Herbert throws an interception. And so, you know, those are errors you can't make when you don't really have a margin for error because the, the first interception so was a fantastic play. I think that may have been I'm not sure you intercepted the first one. It was a fantastic play on a rope. And, and there's a, you throw that ball a hundred times, the digs or whoever made the interception makes it once. Just had to do that. I can't remember the second interception off the top of my top of my head, but I'm okay with him playing the way he played. 
Because he, I mean, if he weren't out there, if it was Tyrod Taylor starting this last year, they lose this game by thirty. Uh, quickly, let me tell you the. Oh, oh, there's also the other one where um, there was a sack called, and like he's in. Oh he God, that was terrible. That was that's horrendous. Yeah, he's six six two four two thirty five or whatever. He's backpedaling. Yes, yeah. Um, the McCarthy thing. Mike McCarthy played for a fifty six yard field goal. Right. So I'm looking at it now. After so Greg Sterline missed everything last week. So it's first and 10 at the Chargers 45 with 36 seconds to go. Pratt, Dak throws a short pass. They get to the Chargers 41. Pollard runs again, 33 seconds to go. Mike McCarthy's expecting the Chargers to call timeout. And Brandon Staley's sitting there like, okay, staring across the field at, the, at, at McCarthy. And it gets down to four seconds. Like, oh, I better call a timeout and kick this thing uh, from the 38, which turns out to be a 56-yarder. He smoked it, of course. But again, that's McCarthy just staring at the clouds, wondering what looks like a teddy bear up there, not paying attention to what he's supposed to be doing. I don't know why. Like, where's Kellen Moore? Where, where are the people that are in his ear in the booth saying, hey, you, call a timeout? Uh, and again, this is sort of, he's being rewarded. Like last week with John Gruden making some harebrained decisions at the end of that Ravens game. They still won the game, but at some point this is going to catch up to you. But there's also a part where you talk about there needs to be, uh, you know, Bill Belichick, I think, has Ernie Adams in his ear for situations like this. And we saw it with Mike Zimmer and the Vikings. We saw it with Mike McCarthy in this game where you're just mismanaging this end of game and it could cost you a game. If the Cowboys lose this, McCarthy has to be squarely on the hot seat for botching the way this went. But, you know, Zerline bailed him out with a 56-yard field goal. And it was a good bounce-back game for Zerline. Um, But, of course, this is also the Chargers we're talking about them beating. And you know what happened this game, Brenton? The Chargers miss a field goal because the Chargers always miss a field goal. What a surprise. I will say this. The, the Cowboys, I thought they played pretty well. They had a lot of guys down, a lot of guys hurt. They moved Micah Parsons to edge rusher. He's a linebacker. And he was given uh, Storm. What's the, what's the right tackle, Sam? I can't remember his last name. His first name is Storm. Uh, whatever his last name is. He gave him all sorts of fits all day long. And he was – he was um, and Justin Herbert probably took 50 hits in this game. Storm uh, Norton. Storm Norton. Yeah. <laughs> awesome name. Um, it's a great name. Yeah, now, so maybe, um, the, I'm gonna name my next cat. Both these teams are gonna be. I don't think I don't think these teams are necessarily like gonna like launch into just some elite run of of play, but I think both of these teams are gonna be in the mix. Well, the Cowboys are in the mix in that division. I think yeah. the worst part for me is that don't forget I said bold prediction before the season that the Justin Herbert's gonna win the MVP. Breach counter with well, you have to win the division to win the MVP. They can be two and zero right now. They're tied Chiefs for second place with the Chiefs. Chiefs are one and one. Instead, they they're even with the Chiefs, and they sort of they tied for last place. Well, tied for last place. No last place quarterbacks winning MVP. There you go. I guess they're technically tied for third place. It's last place, Princeton. If you last. ain't first or last, that's right. That's what the Ricky Bengals, Bobby says. Bengals fan would know that. Ha ha! They're tied. Oh! Oh! <laughs> if you're not last, you're just me. Do we know what? Do we know what Dickie B was? Was that a Duke highlight? That he was yelling about. Do we know which one it was? Uh, Cal, oh, excuse me, uh, 49 17, Eagles 11. 49ers mm-hmm. cover minus three. The under 49 hits the, the, so, um, Eli Mitchell got hurt in this game. Elijah. Elijah Mitchell. Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't want people yelling at you on Twitter. So I'll yell then Michael Hasty comes in. He fumbles. So then they give the ball to Trey Sermon. He fumbles on his first carry and he gets a concussion. The the running back situation for the for the 49ers is a mess, and they still manage to pull off the win. Debo, how uh, how bothered are you by this Eagles loss to the 49ers? My 49ers. You know, I'm not usually one for uh moral victories, 
but I'm kind of taking a moral victory from this one. Uh, ultimately, I think it was just a young team with a new coach that didn't really deserve to win in the end of things, but I think they outplayed some San Francisco for the entire first half. Couldn't put, together, couldn't put together a full game. There was just a lot of opportunities left out there with Nick Sirianni either not going for it and then at one point trying to embody his his inner Doug Peterson and, and do this Philly special on the goal line on fourth Ooh. down, which wasn't needed at that time. So it just wasn't a complete game. I'm not really discouraged. I think from what I've seen so far, they might have the most balanced roster in the NFC East. I, I still take this defense over the Cowboys. The defense has been play, playing great. So to enter that Dallas matchup on Monday Night Football next week, it's nice to kind of have that divisional matchup earlier in the season than you would typically get to kind of see where you stand. But I'm not totally down after this one, which which isn't like me. Mm. How happy were you with J.J. Ortega-Whiteside's blocking? Oh, best blocking receiver in the league. <laughs> Did he ever catch? No. He's never going to have a catch, but he's going to lay down. <laughs> he's going to lay down some blocks. That's and I, I, they didn't draft him to have catches. Yeah, and I don't think Hertz's stat line was totally indicative of how he played. He wasn't as good as as Week One, and that's expected when you go from the Atlanta defense to the San Fran defense. But sure. touchdown taken off the board with a uh, Jalen Rager being a, a foot, a toe out of bounds. Oh, that was tough. Mm-hmm. And. That, that Philly special that that we mentioned did have, you know, it is inflated a bit because you do have a 91 yard pass um, that gets you about half your passing total. But again, looked good on the ground, confident. Um, would have expected more to kind of torch Josh Norman, 35, 40 year old Josh Norman. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I walk away from this game thinking that San Francisco's a, a pretty good team, but the Eagles could be the best team in their own division. How do you, how do you how do you complete a pass for 91 yards if it isn't a touchdown? Right. It's got to be I didn't see the official stat on this, but like one of the longest non-scoring plays in a long long time. I'm sure, yeah. So we can find it. Um 49ers I think uh, Brent, I think the bigger question is how do you throw a pass for 91 yards and then not get any points on the drive? There, that's, that's the Was that the, was that the Philly special drive? Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was and Kenneth Gainwell got s- stopped down there. They just don't have a back that can get it in um, from that close. And that was like that was basically the turning point, right, Debo? Because I feel like Hurts throws that ninety-one yard pass, and it's like, oh my god, the Eagles can they can win this? They're already up three nothing. They scored a touchdown here to ten nothing, and all of a sudden you get stopped at the one yard line because you're on the Philly special, and then the Forty ers turn around, take over on downs, go ninety-seven yards, score a touchdown, go up seven three, and it was like, oh yeah, that's a stab in the eye. Yeah, and they previously, the Eagles had a a field goal blocked that could have gone. It really could have been, and and it's easy to say that, but it could have been 13-0, and then instead it's flipped, and it's 7-3 the opposite way going into half. So that was definitely a demoralizing sequence. It's tough tough to be completely outplaying a team and – and, and be leading like that or, or have the score be like that at any point in the first half. Yeah. And with, I'm trying to remove bias, but they were, they were dominating that first oh, yeah, half. It was, it was, it was a joke. Like they were, they were killing and them. the 49ers kind of flipped things in the second half and controlled the ground game and had long, long drives where ultimately I think they deserved to win. But that first half was 
encouraging in some sense with the domination, but the fact that it didn't translate to points was was not good. But I think it's a young team, young coach. They'll they'll figure that sort of stuff out. But but Monday night's a big one. So it's seven three Niners going into half. There's no points scored in the third quarter. The Eagles. I mean, golly. You look at these these drives I and mean, the Eagles. I mean, the 49ers basically had a three minutes on each of their four drives in the second half, every single one of them. And the Eagles had one drive over three minutes in the second half and punt, 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 touchdown for the Eagles. Not great. Man, that is tough. Uh, I think I think San Francisco, this is just sort of a game you need to go get and you steal it. You're 2-0 and and you score stack wins early in the season. <laughs> and the NFC West is just hard right now. And not only are you 2-0, and but you just got two road games out of the way. Yep. So now, you know, you've got way more home games coming up and you went to the East Coast, which is not easy to do, and swept it. And Jimmy Garoppolo's given you no reason to put him on the bench. Correct. I mean, he did kind of in the first half. He did not look great. The Raiders dominated the Steelers 26 to 17. The Raiders, of course, covers 5.5 underdogs. The under 46 and a half hit. The Raiders are two and over the second straight season. Henry Ruggs now three career touchdowns all over 40 yards and two of them are over 60. Ryan, what is your panic scale on the Steelers? One to 10 after getting obliterated by Derek Carr. This is the first time I haven't watched a Steelers game like live in probably seven or eight years. Wow. And I was okay with it. Uh, They have a new offensive coordinator. It's basically like they have the same offensive coordinator. They're not doing anything differently. Um, Roethlisberger's frustrated because he can't run the, the the no huddle or the hurry up. He has to call plays in the huddle, and then things get bogged down. And uh, credit to the Raiders. I mean, you just talked about San Francisco going on the road breach. The Raiders played Monday night at home. Big win over the Ravens. Travel to the East Coast, play a 10 a.m. game their time. Or 11 a.m. I'm not sure time it is in Vegas, the time difference. But either way, a morning game, and they – they pretty much give it to the to the Steelers. The Steelers' offense is it's sputtering. They they sputtered last week. They need their special teams of defense to bail them out. Uh, and this week, for some reason, and, and Tomlin did this at the end of the year last year, and made me crazy in terms of punting on, on fourth and short. He did it uh, nine minutes ago. They were down, I think, uh, two scores, and he punted on a fourth and one. And, you know, you can't – what are you doing? What, why would you do that? What are you so afraid of with Derek Carr that you need to punt the ball? Um so I think that was frustrating. Another frustrating thing for Steelers fans is that the game was 11 points or nine points and the Steelers had the ball with 10 seconds to go and they run a play and Deontay Johnson gets hurt. Like, what, what are you doing? Like he gets his, he gets his knees hurt. He can't get off the field. He gets to hobble off the field afterwards. Running game can't go on the offensive line struggling. On the other side, I think Derek Carr is playing great football. He's playing like he did during his, um, MVP season before he, he, I think he broke his leg that year. Um, and he looks great. They did it without really much of Darren Waller. They leaned on other guys. You mentioned Henry Ruggs. Um, Hunter Renfro <laughs> is going to be, he'll be playing in the league for 40 years. They couldn't run the ball very well, but they didn't need to. So uh, I think this says probably more about the Raiders for me than the Steelers. I didn't, I had the Steelers not making the playoffs when we did the preseason stuff. So one and one, it feels, about right. You thought they would probably lose to the Bills and maybe find a way to beat the Raiders at home. They have struggled against the Raiders. Oh. You mentioned the Raiders two and zero for the second time in back to uh, for back to back years for the first time since eighty three eighty four, and they went to the playoffs in eighty three and eighty four and eighty five. We'll see if they can make their way to the playoffs, which they have not been to. When was the last year the Raiders went to the playoffs? Breach off the top of your head. 
whatever year Derek Carr broke his leg, 2017? Yeah, 2016. 2016. 20, 2016, Jack Del Rio. Two years before Jack Del Rio. Uh, cost, somebody, cost somebody a lunch. It was two years before Jack Del Rio had to announce at his press conference that he was being fired for John Gruden. <laughs> it's unbelievable. <laughs> um, yeah, I would uh, – I think the Raiders would probably be a little bit overvalued moving forward. I don't know, man. They're they're a pretty good team. Like, what do you mean overvalued? Wilson, do you want a fun fact? Only if it makes me cry. It's gonna make you cry. The Steelers have never made the playoffs, and under Mike Tomlin, in any year where they've lost to the Raiders, mm. they lost to the Raiders a lot too. Well, I just told you, Breach. 2018, 2013, 2012. Yeah, 2012 game. I remember distinctly. 2009. Um, the 2012 game. The Palmer was a. No, they were in Oakland. Darius Haywood Bay played for the Oakland at the time, and he got jacked up by Ryan Clark. Was he still, was he playing there? Maybe Ryan Clark's still playing. Um, and anyway, they lost that game. That was the game that – who was the Ohio State quarterback that got in trouble for the tattoos? Terrell uh, Pryor. Yeah, Pryor. Yeah, I think he had like a 90-something yard the, run in that game. The, the twist of that, that was, fun that was fact – Those Steelers were 8-8, eight eight, the worst uh, the worst record by Tomlin's. The twist of that fun fact is if they had beaten the Raiders in any of those seasons, they would have made the playoffs. Okay, well, I just I just told you that I had the Steelers missing the playoffs in, in my preseason picks. Well, so then you feel good about it. I feel better about that than I feel about being. Carson Brown was a quarterback. Okay, I believe you. I right, I just looked it up. Darren McFadden threw a touchdown pass that game. Darren McFadden, <laughs> golly, Arkansas's own Darren believe, McFadden. Right? Ryan, let me ask you, are you surprised that the Steelers' rushing game has been trash so far? No, their offensive line is. A different type of dog dude than it was last year. They have they have new dogs with uh smell your poo taking the same type of dumps that, that don't block for anyone. Uh so yeah, I mean it is what it is. They had in their defense, and I'm not making excuses, but you know, credit to the Ravens for winning with the guys injured. The Steelers had Joe Hayden and, and Devin Bush out. They lost TJ Watt to a groin injury. They lost Tyson Alu for the TJ Watt, like, that's a big injury. Well, Melvin Ingram has actually been really good, so that's great news. But they lost uh, Tyson Alu to a, a, I think, a broken ankle, so he's probably done for the year. They don't have Steph Tuitt back, so again, it goes back to my original point that I've been saying all night. You could have a franchise quarterback and get over a bad defense. Steelers have a pretty good defense last week, not so great this week. But your quarterback situation and your offense just ain't, ain't getting it done. Yeah, I mean that was the whole thing is when I picked the Raiders I, and people, you know, Raiders fans coming at me too. It's like, look, I expect them to get home with pressure. Without having, to, they would get pressure without having to blitz. When you lose TJ Watt, and you lose, you know, when you lose those guys on your defensive line, it's just not going to happen. Um, the Raiders are dealing with a lot of injuries too, and you know what? Credit they, to Derek Carr and John Gruden. Derek there Carr is the man right now. We need to say it. We need so all the Raiders fans know it because they were not happy about last week's podcast. Derek Carr is tearing it up. Derek Carr is firmly in the way too early has, two weeks MVP conversation. He has Brenton's MVP vote after two weeks. I don't have a vote, but no, he's good, man. Like he's good. He's tough. Like his teammates seem to love him. I know Brenton, he doesn't get along with the Brenton family, but that's not our he's beef. 28 37, 382 yards, two touchdowns. He had some good deep throws. Different. Great throw to Henry Ruggs. Uh, yeah. Henry Ruggs is wide ass open, but that's, you still got to throw him the ball. I mean, Lamar Jackson overthrew, as I said earlier, Hollywood Brown. It, it doesn't look like Najee Harris is going to fix everything for Pittsburgh. You need an offensive line. I mean, yeah. Derrick Henry would would average two yards per carry behind this offensive line. It doesn't matter. Correct. He had a great touchdown. He had a 22-yard touchdown catch, which was fun to watch. But the offense is sputtering. They can't score points. And that's not necessarily offensive uh, pass-run balance. It's just that I don't know if Matt Canada is the, the magic fix that perhaps Steelers yeah. fans thought he yeah. might be. 
Browns 31, Texans 21. The Texans cover plus 13 and a half. The over 48 and a half hits. Baker Mayfield with 20, 19 to 21. His 90.5 completion percentage is the second highest percentage in team history. And Nick Chubb recorded an eighth straight game with a rushing touchdown. Hilariously in this game, David Culley and the Texans declined yeah. a penalty that would have given them third and 10. Third, okay, yeah, third and 10 or whatever it was to make it fourth and two. And then pumped it. Like, what are you doing? What are we doing? What, what are you doing? Yeah. Uh, Tyrod Taylor also hurt in this game. Pro- unlikely to play at Thursday Night Football. He is not play. going to play. Has that been said? Or Yeah. Dave, I, I, I'm proclaiming it. No, it's been said. Davis Mills is going to make a start, it looks like. And, and oh. here, here's the thing about that David Cauley play that you just brought up, Brenton, is that – because I want to be clear about like what the situation was because it was bizarre. I literally had to rewind – my TV. To make sure. They cut Kevin Stefanski and he's saying, what the F on the sideline? Like, what is happening? What is going on? The the Texans had the ball at their own 38-yard line. They had a third and 15. They gain 13 yards. So now they're in Browns territory at the Browns 49-yard line, fourth and two. Uh, but there was a defensive offside. So if you're a Cauley, you can either have third and 10 from your own 43, or you can have fourth and two. If you decline the penalty, you assume that you're going to go for it on fourth and two, or you take the penalty and you have another try to get first down on third and 10. There's no punting in this situation because there's no reason to decline the penalty unless you're planning to go for it. And so it was very bizarre, especially because the Texans were playing so well while Tyrod Taylor was on the field. I mean, they handed, it, it was, I think 14 to 14 when, or at halftime. And one of the Browns touchdowns came off a muffed punt that the, the, Texans fumbled away, and then the Browns had a short field. The score is seven to seven while they're doing this. What are you? What are you doing? Right, and Tyrod Taylor, ten of eleven for one hundred twenty-five yards. He had a rushing touchdown, a passing touchdown. Like he was, he was doing whatever he wanted. It was actually pretty crazy to see it. And then you knew once the rookie quarterback was going in, there's no way the Texans were winning. But I, I honestly felt like the Texans outplayed them uh, in the first half while Tyrod Taylor was out in the field. And that's the thing you you can't make self-inflicted mistakes. And expect to win football games against well-coached teams, which is what Kevin Stefanski is. And that team in Cleveland is a really good, really good football team. Uh, Did you ever think you'd say that about the Browns, Ryan? Well-coached. Well, once I got, once I got Freddie Kitchens, whoever comes next is going to be Jackson. a better coach. And so just Rodzinski. And, uh, and who? Who was that? I'm trying to think of the uh, their old coaches that were all bad. Oh, oh, Hugh Jackson. I don't know who you said before that. But the Tyrod Taylor touchdown run that you mentioned, Breach, was a fantastic run. That's when they feel like maybe he tweaked his hamstring. Uh, this guy cannot catch a break. Last season, someone stabbed him with a needle, and he got a collapse, collapse lung, and that led with Justin Herbert. This year, he's play, he played well week one in, in their victory over Jacksonville. He was playing well, as Breach mentioned, early on against the Browns, and then he tweaks his hamstring. Uh, it looks like he's going to be out uh, and miss the Thursday night game. So that's By the way, David Culley was asked about it and said he was asked if Deshaun Watson would play. He said, "We'll have to see." No, he's not playing. Um, that would be that would be well. Though, look, I, I would also say that David Culley would never punt on fourth and two after declining the penalty that would make it third and ten. Right, right, right. So, I would argue that like not that playing Deshaun Watson would be less. I, I feel like if you're Culley, you could sit down and be like, "Look, Deshaun, we know you thought this was a throwaway season for Houston. This team was going to be terrible, but right now we're tied for first place. We don't have a quarterback really, and." We might be able to upset a few people if you're the quarterback of the like. This will crank up your trade value. That's yeah. true. Yeah, would, yeah, exactly. I would imagine that that water that is water under the bridge. I'm sure that there have been some things leaked by the organization that he's unhappy about. 
Um, there's also the issue of the NFL might might move right quick to be like, okay, Deshaun's suspended since now that we know he's going to play because they're not doing anything because they don't have to. But I, I would imagine they've suspended people for for less in terms of evidence wise. By the way, what what's the uh, Texans coach's name? Breach. David Colley. Oh, you said it right that time. You said Colley the last three times. What? David crazy talk. <laughs> David Cauliflower. Good job. C-O. I did the coach name I did mispronounce or didn't mispronounce, just got the name wrong, was Roger Chudzinski. I said, Oh, Rud- Chudzinski. Chud. I said, I said Rudzinski because I got the. Uh, yeah, I was confused. I was like, Who are you talking about? I got the first name. Bell Cauliflower. Into my Chud. <laughs> By the way, the Browns are really good. Uh, we shouldn't, yeah, we should not, yeah. we should, shouldn't just sit here and talk about the Texans missteps. Uh, Nick, Nick Chubb, you can't tackle. Kareem Hunt, you can't t- tackle. Baker Mayfield, as you mentioned, 19-21, uh, to 21, had the one really bad interception. Made it forward with a tackle and almost lost his left arm, but he came back in, so extremely tough. Uh, there's a lot to like about this team. It is yeah, really good. Have, they haven't even had Odell Beckham out there at, at all this year. Either. And Kareem Hunt and Chubb combined to average over six yards per carry. Like That's yeah. insane. If a team's averaging six yards per carry, you're not beating them. So Chris McCaffrey might have a good game on Thursday night, is what you're saying. Maybe. The Bears. Oh, we're supposed to, were we supposed to have Sean on? Uh, I know what we have instead. I got I got a text from our buddy Matt Snyder, who covers Major League Baseball and is a longtime Bears fan. He said, uh, probably done recording, but if not, tell Breach I said hi. So. Oh, oh! oh we missed! Double dunk. <laughs> I have no response to that. I'm not saying hi back. Take oh, that. Look at that. The other other Bears fan, our, our buddy no. Joe Musso. <laughs> We're on to Cleveland. Ridiculous. Not even thinking about the, the battle. Bears fans talking trash in a game where they were gifted like 20 points out of 20 points is classic Bears fans. Uh, what were you m- most disappointed by? 20 to 17, Bears over Bengals. Bears cover under 44 and a half is. Are you at all concerned about Joe Burrow breach? I am not concerned about Joe Burrow. Do I want to see a quarterback throw back to back to back <laughs> interceptions, literally throwing an interception on three consecutive passes? No, of course not. I don't. And that was the difference of the game. You're talking about the Bengals defense actually looks so good. Now I was talking about this with Brinson that with all the turnovers, the three interceptions, the pick six, the fact that they still only gave up 20 points, uh, is borderline amazing. And the fact that they were one third downstop away from maybe tying this game is, you know, they came back, scored two touchdowns in 60 seconds and make it 2017. And they had the bears third and nine with two Oh five left. And then Justin Fields scrambles for a first down. And that was the ball game. Uh, so and by the way, it, Andy Dalton started, he came out because of uh, a knee. I think I'm not sure what it was. Um, he was, efficient nine for 11 56 yards he scrambled and that's how he got hurt but justin fields didn't exactly set the world on fire like justin fields looked a little discombobulated out there he had a bad interception as well he threw it right to i think it was one of the linebackers can't remember who it was but uh i wasn't like blown away with his performance like i may have been during the preseason watching mac jones or for example yeah you know what the great irony in this game was is that Andy Dalton was the best quarterback in this game where he played against the guy who replaced him in Cincinnati and the guy who everyone wants to see take a spot in Chicago. And Andy Dalton was the best quarterback on the field. So is that sad or is that just... Uh, that's that's sad. That is pathetic. That is where we... And that's where you are. If you're a Bears fan, you were clamoring for Justin Fields. They put him in the second half. And, you know, 
He played average. He almost threw the game away with that interception late in the fourth quarter. His passer um, rating was 27.7. That is wow. definitely not ideal. And so, you know, when Matt Nagy's saying that right now, Andy Dalton gives us our best chance to win, this game is what he's going to point to and say, look, you know, you guys got to see a half of Andy Dalton, a half of Justin Fields, and Andy Dalton gave us a better chance to win. And here's something else to keep in mind that we always talk about week two as the Andy Dalton revenge game slash. Maybe this is when you put in Justin Fields. Well, he came in and we just talked about he didn't look great. Can he get better? Of course he can. But the schedule doesn't get any easier. They play the, the Lions in week four, but that's it. Then you're playing teams that are that are that, you know that are better than average. And to your point, Breach, the Bengals aren't bad. The Bengals defense is good. They played really well last week. The offense is good. Joe Burrow just had a, a three-play run of bad luck and terrible decisions. But I think overall, Joe Burrow, you know, he, he's a good player. I just think for Justin Fields, maybe Matt Nagy, whose job is ser- on the line, there's no doubt about that, is thinking, okay, if we throw him out there and he craters, there is no going back because Andy Dalton, what, what's he going to give you? Well, the question is whether Andy Dalton will be able to play. I'm just saying, like, if people who wanted to be this go Justin Fields now situation, Matt Nagy actually may have been. Oh, no, no. I, I think it was always overrated to suggest that Justin Fields would or always outrageous, I guess, would be better to suggest well, and, that Justin Fields would magically fix everything. And Nagy's life would have been much easier if Justin Fields had led the Bears on three touchdown drives in the second half and they win the game 34 to 17. And just go with Justin Fields. Right. But that didn't happen. And so now it's it makes it a little dicey. So, yeah. Breach, let me ask you this. And I'll ask Brenton too, but I'll ask you first. Oh, boy. What are the chances? How do you feel about give me some odds on the Bengals finishing ahead of the Steelers in the division? Uh, I would say the Steelers would be favored to finish ahead of the Bengals, but I do think, yeah, I could see the Bengals finishing in third. The Bengals actually, played I don't pretty think it's well. that crazy. Bengals played pretty well the last two weeks. Steelers are definitely favored. What? Like minus one sixty? No, I think Steelers are like plus two fifty or I mean minus two fifty. That much, huh? Okay. I, I feel like it's closer after watching two weeks of some pretty mediocre football. Okay. Two teams that look the corner. I think. Parts. I think the line, even if it, even if it is maybe closer than it looks like, the line would be adjusted for people, homers. Who, yeah, yeah, exactly. People who they think are gonna be like, "Well, oh, that's an obvious win. Let me give you that." Yeah, yeah. Let's pass. Uh, and you know, like Bengals, three of their next six games are against Jacksonville, the Jets, and the Lions. Where if they one. go in three? Will you feel worse then about their chances of finishing? Yeah, I'll stop watching their games. And Justin Fields had an interception like in front of like right in front of the line of scrimmage. So he attempted 10 passes beyond 10 yards or more uh, past the line of scrimmage and only completed three of them. Yeah, it, it wasn't great. Um, bang that like button. There you go. Says, yeah, bang that thing. But the difference is he didn't play well and they won. Correct. Well, that'll be that is certainly a situation to watch moving Forward, the Buccaneers throttle the Falcons 48 to 25. The Bucs uh, covered minus 13 over 51 and a half, obviously hit. Bucs have scored 30 points in nine straight games, including the postseason. Tied for second longest streak in NFL history. Nine touchdown passes for Tom Brady through two weeks. A career high for the 44-year-old quarterback who is definitely in the MVP conversation, Ryan. A couple things. Um, I know you and I did, Brenton. Uh, I bet you did too, Breach. I don't remember, but... Plus twelve and a half was what the Falcons were getting. Mm-hmm. We both we all took the the Buccaneers. I mean, I it took was the Falcons. Oh, okay, there you go. It was twenty five twenty eight, I believe. It was a three point game at one point. It was three and point the, game with ten minutes left in the fourth quarter. And the only person to have a worse day than Joe Burrow is, is Matt Ryan, who just insisted on throwing pick six after pick six uh, that swung the game at the end. There, 
that it should have been closer than it was. The Buccaneers were always going to win it, but the Falcons had a chance to keep it close. And uh, it's not entirely Matt Ryan's fault, but I just feel I, like, I, I mean, I don't want to flip on Arthur Smith, but I think there should be some questions asked about it. Here's the thing. I feel like Matt Ryan looks like he doesn't want to be out there because he, maybe he does. Maybe he's having the time of his life, but he looks frustrated. I don't think that's happening. Much, much like Ben Roethlisberger looks frustrated, much like many old quarterbacks not named Tom Brady are frustrated with their their current situations. Um, you might want to think about a plan B. Plan B doesn't involve bringing Josh Rosen in for mop-up duty <laughs> unless he is going to be the, the, like literally the, the guy you bring in when the score is 47 nothing in the baseball game. You want to save your pitcher's arms. But um, I mean, there's it's a tough scene when you're down 10, you've got the ball and you're, you know, you're thinking, all right, we're going to cover like worst case scenario, Tampa gets back, they run out the clock and all of a sudden you lose by 23 points. Oh, what a, that was a whooping. <laughs> Insane. I like the Falcons had the ball down 28, 25. So they literally could have yeah. t- driven down and taken the lead. And, but no, they, I think Mike it. Edwards had both of the pick sixes too, if, I, if I'm correct. Uh, uh, by the way, sorry, from it's a little late, but I received a statement from one Sean Wagner McGuff. Oh boy, I don't want to hear it. Statement: Joe Burrow is the third best quarterback in the game. Oh, up high, down hard. And then he said, "Honestly, I just want to make sure Breach is alive after Dalton's injury and Burrow's disaster." Mm. <laughs> oh, he missed. He missed. Oh, and he may have pulled a hamstring or a. Muscle, and there is complete elation. I can't wait for Randy Bullock's lawyers to call Pick Six Podcast and tell us to remove that clip now that he's actually good at his job since he's out of Cincinnati. <laughs> Randy, I love that Randy Bullock has no idea that we just like make fun of this. I would like you guys to know how much of a Fairweather fan Sean is that literally in the first quarter of this game, he tweeted out, uh, Andy Dalton, dot, 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 good. Five question marks. Because Andy Dalton led a touchdown drive. All of a sudden, the guy was on the Andy Dalton bandwagon because we we're on to um, Cleveland, as Jim Musa said. We're on to We already talked about Cleveland. We're on to you know what? The Bengals play next week, and first place is on the line against the Steelers, guys. That's all that matters. Oh, Sean is now watching. So if you want to give him, if you want to reply to Sean, you can get one more chance. No, I don't care about Sean anymore. I'm not even going to mention Bleep's name ever again. <laughs> I'm deleting a- his number from my phone. I'm unfriending him on Facebook. I'm muting him on Twitter. And anything else I can think of social media, Instagram. I don't know if I follow him, but I, if I do, I'm not anymore. I follow, I follow him on Instagram. He's just as boring on Instagram as he is on Twitter. Yeah, Falcons are trash. Arthur Smith, he can't be a one and done because they're going to try to reboot at some point, but he, it's just run, run, pass. Oh, no. Look at Debo. The comments. Nice. Look on YouTube, Sean has entered the Sean has entered the chat and it's mocking breach. It's like Ben McMahon walking down the the runway. <laughs> By the way, uh, oh, oh, it's a nice segue. I'll, I'll start with this, and you can say what you're about to say. The Falcons are without question the worst team in that division. Yeah, I feel I feel like I'm a lot better today about my Tampa Bay to win the division bet. Yes. Yeah. Wholeheartedly. Yeah, and we'll see what the Bucks do next week because they they are they play the Rams or one and a half point dogs or and their defense is a little concerning. But again, Rams. so are the Rams. So I mean, we'll see. Like who wins that shootout? It might be an over bet. Yeah, I think that that feels about right. It's like fifty three or something. I was going to say the over is going to be over fifty. Oh, for sure. Uh, let's see how he finds what Debo had it up. I'll see if I can bet it right now. I don't have it up yet, but I, I would guess it's definitely over fifty. Um, yeah. So the the Panthers handled the Saints. Panthers might be 
I think they're probably the third best team in the division, but they could be the second. I mean, they they look their defense looks like it's taking a leap. To Panthers twenty six, Saints seven. Obviously, Panthers is three point home dogs cover the under forty five hits. The Saints finish with one hundred twenty eight total yards, the fewest yards for that franchise in twenty years. Panthers fewest yards allowed since two thousand eight. Sam Darnold continued to look good. Mm-hmm. I think James Winston might be out of the comeback player. Sam Darnold leapfrogged him. <laughs> this win, Ryan. Oh man, I, I so. Sean Payton, I don't know if he told Pete Prisco this over the summer when they were when he was at training camp, or this is something that Sean has said publicly more than once. But he says our quarterbacks don't throw interceptions. And last week he, he said publicly. Last week that was exactly right when Jameis went off. You know, Jameis threw for twelve yards, had five touchdowns. Yeah. Uh, this week it looked more like Jameis just forcing things, falling backwards, making the Patrick Mahomes type throws that frustrated us tonight in the Ravens game. And, you know, 11 for 22, he didn't throw the ball a ton. They ran the ball a little bit. Um, actually, didn't run the ball a lot either. Uh, Kamara, Kamara ran eight times for five yards. So nothing was working. Um, and credit to Sam Darnold. Credit to Matt Rule. I know Teddy Bridgewater said on All Things Covered podcast that he felt like they didn't do a lot in terms of two-minute offense in Carolina, and he had some questions about how they were doing things there. It, it appears like things are coming together. They're buying in. They're 2-0. and they were three and three last year when things went sideways for the Panthers. So they, you know, we'll wait and see how this plays out. But this feels like a different football team. McCaffrey's back. McCaffrey's healthy. Um, Darnold feels like a slight upgrade over Teddy Bridgewater. It's not like night and day, but um, I think there are reasons for optimism. And as you point out, Brinson, if you told me this team's the second best team in the division in two months, um, I believe it. By the way, Sean, if you're wondering why Brinson sounds raspy, he was up to no good this weekend, not doing his job. You don't want him to tell the story again. Otherwise, we'll be here for 20 more minutes. Just watch the podcast. Yeah, start from the beginning and fast forward, like speed up his talk by three. So I his raspy it, voice sounds yes, sound yes, squeaky. I'm raspy. I'm very raspy. If you want to hear about it, just go listen to the beginning of the podcast. I, I think the Panthers, Brinson, oh, you know, like you're the Panthers guy, but I'll just say that I, I feel like they're the dark horse team right now. I feel like they're the most surprising team. They're not just winning. They're dominating in their wins. And, you know, as you said, it's not just it's like one thing sh- to be, it's one thing to beat up on the Jets. It's another to like take care of his, his the same. And, and maybe I don't know what this says about the Packers that the Panthers just destroyed a team that, you know, Green Bay could not score yeah. uh, a single point. But, uh, you know, the Saints, there's a reason this team has not gone this low in 20 years. It's because, you know, most of that has been Sean Payton and Sean Payton offenses don't get shut down like this. One thing last week, everybody's saying, well, that's why we, you know, Jameis is good because he can throw those deep passes that Drew Brees couldn't. And this week it's, oh, well, that's why Drew Brees was good because he thinks so fast. He doesn't take sacks. He can get rid of the ball quickly and he doesn't make, uh, you know, bad decisions that end up in interceptions, which is what Jameis did in this game with a couple interceptions. So I'm a little worried about the Saints. I think the Panthers are, I think they're hands down the second best team in the NFC. I don't think hands down. I think it's, I think it's coach. Hands I think, I think... down, Brinson. Okay. One hand up, one hand down. No, both down. I think there's a decent chance that they are could finish second, and I think there is a a possibility that the offense is or the defense is taking the leap that I was sort of expecting it to take next year. And they take, have a lot of a lot of good young players in that defense. So. That defense is going to be good over the next few years. I think J.C. Horn had to pick that first round yep. um, selection. Uh, Derek Brown's awesome. Jeremy Chin's awesome. Brian Burns Brian is. Burns. I mean, they they have guys that Jack can make. Thompson plays. is playing like his hair on fire. Who? Shaq Thompson. Jack Thompson and uh, Dante Jackson's in the final year of his deal. So he has something to prove. I mean, they can get after it. 
All right, Wesley Carr says the Queen City's buzzing. Uh, Darnold did not complete a pass more than 20 yards down the field for what it's worth. Only attempted three. They're, he's going to check down a bunch because that's what Chris McCaffrey Who cares? Does. He's yeah, not making I, mistakes. Agreed. I, I I feel like we're heading for a Adam Gase narrative uh, like crank up. Oh, we're already there. We're not heading there. Well, Sam Darnold didn't go over 100 passer rating today, so something he never right. did with the Jets did it last week. So. He did. You're saying he did. Last week he was over 100. This week he was only 99.1. Oh, All right. Let's take another quick break and we come back. How bad are things turning for the Dolphins? We'll tell you next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Bills crushed the Dolphins, 35 to nothing. That was one of my best bets of the week, and that one was Good right. It was the largest I, took, I took the Dolphins. Yeah. It's the largest margin of victory for the Bills over the Dolphins in franchise history, the largest margin of victory for the Bills in any game since 1992. Obviously, the Bills covered minus three and a half. The under 48 hit only because the Dolphins couldn't score, and Tua Tagovailoa was hurt. What is this breach? How concerned should the Dolphins be about the – the future or the, 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 the immediate future in this season with Tua and how they played on Sunday. I mean, you're highly concerned with the immediate future. They, they, they looked horrible. You lose Tua <laughs> and all of a sudden, I mean, this team was a total disaster. You can't do worse than they did. They scored zero points. They looked completely lost after Tua left, which was, uh, you know, it's not like you have a backup quarterback who's never played an NFL down before they had Jacoby Brissett and he's Breach. still just quickly. They were lost with Tua in there. He got sacked twice in the first series and got hit on the third. I think the second series, I got knocked out, but go ahead. I was never high on the Dolphins this season, so the fact that you now take two out of the situation, I just think it's going to make things worse. And uh, if I'm a Dolphins fan, I am a little bit worried that the Bills, who didn't even play that well, still won 35 to nothing. Yeah, the Bills didn't play lights out, but there were the a ton of dumb penalties. There were a ton of sacks. There were a ton of drop passes all by the Dolphins. And that's how that's how important you get to 35-0. I don't think Tua Tonka by Loyal leaving uh, changed the course of the game. I think it was the second series that he went out there. He was sacked in the first two, two of the first three plays, got hit on the on the second series by AJ Panessa that jacked up his ribs. And he only had he was one of four for 13 yards when he when he departed. Jacoby Brissett was fine. Um he wasn't great. He was okay. He played like a replacement level backup, had a terrible interception. Uh, but the Bills weren't even able to turn that into points because the Bills weren't exactly marching up and down the field. Josh Allen threw a, a not great interception as well. Um, he misfired quite a bit, and it felt a lot like 2019 Josh Allen, not so much like 2020 Josh Allen. He did have some fantastic passes. Um 
two. He had Stephon Diggs and Dawson Knox had had um, touchdowns. Seventeen he, to thirty-three and a thirty-five nothing win is not great. Right. I mean, you know, a lot of it's just Devin Singletary. Actually, they were able to run the ball, something they've never been able to do in the last two or three years. Singletary had a long touchdown run, forty-six yards. But I, I think I don't want to say this says more about the Dolphins than it does about the Bills. The Bills went on the road. They normally spank the Dolphins in, in recent years, so that's not a surprise. Uh, but I think it says something about the the no show. Dolphins and their defense, which wasn't terrible. Like the, the defense was able to get off the field, um, but they couldn't do anything with it and absolutely like zero. And I would imagine this, this loss probably obviously hurts the, the Dolphins, but it probably makes the Patriots a little bummed out that they lost last week and last in the way that they did. Yeah. If you're the Patriots, you feel like you'd be two and oh and really have a stranglehold, not a stranglehold, but like have a, a, have a half game lead on the a leg up in that division. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And um, uh, Brian Flores now 0 and 5. All time against the Bills as the coach of the Dolphins. And in those five games, the Dolphins have given up an average of 38.4 points per Yikes. game. They literally are getting blown out in all of these games. I also think, by the way, I'm not trying to overstate it. I, I wanted, I thought Tua played well in the preseason. He was okay last week. But if my man can't stay healthy, you're drafting a quarterback. And that's just the reality of it. You're signing one in the offseason. Or trading for Sean Watson. Or trading for Deshaun Watson because they were reportedly in that mix. So I think that's just something to keep an eye on. We'll see how long two was out. I think the the X-rays came back negative according to the reports. I don't know what that means for a status this week, but uh, it's it's unfortunate. But you got to stay healthy. Agreed completely. Okay, the Patriots. Speaking of, beat the Jets twenty-five to six. An easy win. Zach Wilson had uh, yeah. three, three picks as well. Did not look particularly sharp. And um, he's young. I right, four picks. Excuse me. He's young. He's a rookie. He went up against Bill Belichick. A reason why this is one of my best bets too. The, the Jets are not good. They've got talent. They got young talent there, but some pieces. But they're just not a good football team right now. And, and the Patriots took advantage. Uh, yeah. So I stand corrected. Joe Burrow didn't have the worst game of the afternoon. It was Zach Wilson. Thank and you. He, I think he had those four picks in the. You can apologize to me and Joe Burrow, or just Sorry. Burrow, or just uh, me. Yeah, Sorry, no, John. Uh, Thank you. Sorry, John. Sorry, Joe. Uh, three of the picks were definitely in the first half. Four of them may have been, but uh, there were some head scratchers there and a lot of off balance. Like I'm just throwing it up and seeing what happens type throws. And while Mac Jones will dink and dunk you to death. And a lot of times you're like, oh, my God, this is so boring to watch. He doesn't turn the ball over. And, and that's a huge that is thing. A big thing for the Patriots. Big thing for the Patriots. It's a big thing for the Saints, too, by the way. But, sure. uh, you know, he'll just like I said, dink and dunk you to death. He'll throw the check down every single time, sometimes to the frustration uh, of people watching when other guys are wide, wide open. But the alternative to that is Zach Wilson, just slinging the ball over the yard. And that's why it's sort of, you, you got to be careful. And I'm sort of talking to myself more than you guys. When you fall in love with these quarterbacks in college who play, you know, at BYU, for example, and just dominating guys, uh, things change when you get in the NFL and everyone is a fantastic athlete and are doing things you've never seen before. Zach Wilson will get better. I don't know how much better and how soon. Uh, the best player on that team for me, the Jets, was Michael Carter, the UNC running back, who, who was a lot of fun to watch. He's the, explosive, man. The one thing I'll say about this game, it's hard to gauge how good the Patriots are because they lost last week, and it felt like Zach Wilson really gifted them this game. I mean, they only put up 260 yards of offense. Zach Wilson's... Uh, Four interceptions led to 17 points for New England. So it wasn't like New England's marching up and down the field. It's still Mac Jones. Yeah, I would I would push back because if you're Bill Belichick and the, the patch, you come to this game thinking this is how we win this game. 
we getting four interceptions? No. <laughs> Are the rookie quarterback with no offensive line? Interceptions. Yeah, but four interceptions is an, is an absurd number. He dominates rookie quarterbacks. He, you're not right. you're thinking we're lighting up the Jets with our offense. And by the way, Matt Nagy said after the game, we plan on getting three interceptions from Joe Burrow, and that's exactly what they did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he missed! He missed! Oh, and he may have pulled a hamstring or a muscle, and there is complete elation. You don't play the dunk music. You get a dunk on yourself. Now you didn't actually say that. No, you dunk, you dunked Burrow. on me like he did actually say that. Well, no, was, nobody would ever say that. We're making fun of you for Joe Burrow <laughs> two or three picks. <laughs> Breach had to, had to check real quick to make sure Nagy didn't, in fact, say that. Say <laughs> like, no, we're talking on you because Matt Nagy didn't say that. It's like, no, Joe Burrow is the one who threw back to back to back to back to back to back. All right, anyway, Breach. Back to back to back to back to back picks. Breach, what I'm nice. saying is that the Patriots offense yeah. is still a work in progress here. Sure. And so it will be interesting when they are playing teams who are not the Jets and who are actually good, like, say – well, they should have uh, beat the Dolphins. The Bengals. I was going to say the Bengals. I was going to say they have, I don't know, Tom Brady and the Buccaneers coming up in two weeks. Sure. They should have beaten the Dolphins. And I thought Mac Jones actually played better in that game than he did in this game. The Patriots, the Patriots are what I thought they were going to be, which was try to win with defense and running the football and not expose Mac Jones. Yep. Yeah. That's, what been doing. That's how they won. All right. Finally. Wow. We moved very quickly here. I wonder why. My goodness. Who was so motivated to get us through this podcast so quickly? How's that possible? <laughs> I don't think I have 30 minutes. So if Brinson shows up with a raspy voice, we we start <laughs> steaming ahead at these, three times right. the speed. These were less intriguing games in week two than, than they were in week one. You no, go that's... sign Brinson up for like a three-night bender in Vegas before every <laughs> podcast from now on. All right, what's Bron- the, don't waste the time. What's the last game? Broncos 23, Jaguars 14, and Broncos come up by six. The under 45 heads. There's a great shot that I was telling you guys about of uh, – Trevor Lawrence, who also had a bad day, and Teddy Bridgewater meeting at midfield after the game. And in the background, you can see Jackson DeVille, the Jaguars mascot. He's like, I think he's launching himself into a pool or something, but it looks like he's just <laughs> launching himself off the stadium. Off the top of the stadium. He's like, I can't take anymore. 200 feet later, head plants into the turf. Ironically, this is the first game since week one last year. There you go. There he is. Look right there. If you watch on the YouTube, right above Teddy's head, you can see Jackson (laughs) saying, I'm out. I love the idea that he doesn't jump. He like flips himself off. Right. Yeah. Um, It's the first game since week one of 2020 that the Jaguars did not give up 24 points or more in a game. There it is. There's Jackson. There you go. (laughs) Yeah. This feels like. I mean, you know, Debo mentioned moral victories for Eagles fans or himself in particular. I don't know what the moral of the story is if you're a Jaguars fan. Breach, you're accustomed to, to losing. What, what are you taking away from this game if you're a Jaguars fan? Well, that's awfully complimentary. Somebody has to be used to losing, Ryan. Uh, I say that, well, the bad thing is Trevor Lawrence threw for 73 yards in their opening possession, which was a touchdown. But that, which that's the good side. Right. But then the downside is that he only threw for 45 more yards the rest of the game. Thanks. Along Not with, ideal. Along Bad with for rookie quarterbacks, by the way. Now you say, you know, like he only throws for 45 yards the rest of the game, but this was a 10, seven game at halftime. Number one. And number two, Jacksonville could have been leading, but their kicker, Josh Lambeau, who is usually Mr. Reliable missed two field goals in the first half. So despite like how horribly, how horribly their offense played, they were still in this. Uh, and, and, you know, if Lambeau again hits those field goals, it's a completely different game at halftime. But it seems like the Broncos just kind of at halftime said, all right, guys, it's Jacksonville. Let's just put them away. They can't do anything. 
And then that's what they did. So I guess the silver lining here is that even though your quarterback only threw for 45 yards after the opening <laughs> possession, uh, you kept this respectable for the next three quarters. And then it's finally not a, got a kickoff home, return. That's a weird moral victory. To it's take. not a homecoming game. It's an NFL football game. Yeah. Total, total net yards. Denver had 398. Jacksonville had 189. Uh, Jacksonville had 17 fewer plays. They averaged two fewer yards. Uh, per play, 5.9 to 3.8. I mean, down the line, you mentioned turnovers 2 to 0. Jacksonville had 2. And the field goals, of course, Josh Lambeau's 0 for 2, where Denver went 3 for 3. Hey, uh, hey Denver, Will. Denver, one more thing. Denver had the ball 17 more minutes than Jacksonville. All right. So, when, when will the Jaguars' first win be? Next week, they're Cardinals at home, at Bengals, Titans at home, Dolphins at home. I mean, it's going to have to be an upset because clearly they're not going to be favored in any of these games. But I mean, like a real. Oh, man. What if the Bengals lose to the Jaguars? They're not going to. The, the Bengals I won't are going show to, up for the podcast. The Bengals are going to beat them by three touchdowns. I'll, I'll show up in a Jacksonville costume at the Jaguars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Um, I mean, the Cardinals are coming. <laughs> the Falcons. Can they beat the Falcons? The, are the Cardinals coming to Jacksonville? Is that where that game is? Yeah. Like, I feel like that may be one of those. I can see that. Like, the, everyone's going to bet on the Cardinals and pick the Cardinals, and I can see that being a weird upset. That might be their best bet. Um, the Falcons, where's that game breach? The Cardinals are minus – oh, this line stinks. Cardinals minus. are minus seven in Jacksonville. I might take the Jaguars. What is the uh, – where's the Falcons game? Uh, it is – it's later in the season. All right. I don't know. Okay. Well – I lost the schedule. That's fine. That that could possibly – it could be a, a, an opportunity if, if Matt Ryan isn't playing. If Josh Rose is playing, then, yeah, I, I think maybe that's the best-case scenario. But um, I think their best chance might be Arizona this week. But then after that – It is at Jacksonville. Okay. Well, there you go. I don't know. I don't know and that's, that that's the thing is, like, weird things happen in Florida in September. We, again, we saw with the Packers because the humidity, you're not used to it. The, the Colts half, last year lost in week one in Jacksonville. The Colts did lose week one in Jacksonville. So mm. to Gardner Minshew. But the Falcons are three point dogs to the Giants on the road. <laughs> yeah, that's where we're at. Is Welcome that rock bottom? Is that is that no rock close. bottom you're losing the Bengals? Oh uh, would you even say that? I don't know. Let's get the winners and losers from this week. Wilson, we'll start with you, a winner. I'm gonna take some of my own medicine. I don't know if that makes sense, but I'm going with the Raiders who stopped my old Steelers there, but they're 2-0, first place in the division, and Derek Carr is a legit... I'm tied with the Broncos for first place. Legit MVP candidate, despite Brinson's best efforts to torpedo his career. So, John Gruden, great at calling offensive plays, suspected late-game decision-making, but it hasn't bitten them yet. The defense is uh, playing pretty well, and they've done it, as Breach noted earlier in the podcast, despite some injuries. So, congratulations to the Raiders. Well-deserved. You're playing... You're one of the best football teams in the NFL as we sit here, so... Good job. My winner is the Tennessee Titans. Uh, they got smoked in week one. It looked <laughs> like they were about to get smoked again. And then somehow uh, someone got in touch with them at halftime and said, yo, you have Derrick Henry on your team. Give him the ball. And that's what they did. And they had the, what, what was it, Brinson? Seahawks were 52-0 and and holding a 15-point lead or more at home. Oh, yeah. Now 52-1 and because of the Titans. Randy, it's a 52-straight game. Randy effing Bullock, Bullock hits a game-winning field goal. Bullock. Bullock. 
So we can now delete the soundbite, which makes me a winner. And you know what? I think this was a big one because it gives them some control in the AFC South, which all of a sudden is looking like an incredibly, incredibly horrible division. It's always been incredibly horrible. Um, As for me, I will take Sam Darnold, the Carolina Panthers. You see Sam Darnold, these post-game press conferences. Dude looks happy. He's not playing for Adam Gase anymore. Not getting thrashed by the New York media. Not having to play behind a terrible Jets offensive line with terrible No mono. No mono. 26 to 38, 305 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. He's got Christian McCaffrey just dumping off to McCaffrey. Hits DJ Moore, finds Robbie Anderson. He has weapons, a good offensive coordinator, Joe Brady. I mean, I'm not saying Sam Darnold's back, and they haven't, you know, they beat the Jets in week one, man, but they did. I mean, the Saints, you take your business against the Saints, that's a big deal. I think this is huge. Sam Darnold may be the next in line for the Adam Gase dead cat bounce. Who's your loser, Wilson? The Miami Dolphins. Uh, they did not show up for the game today. Uh, they did everything wrong. They lost their starting quarterback in, in the second series after allowing him to get hit on every single drop back that he had prior to going out of the game. They were sacked six times. Uh, you're not going to win football games doing that. They had a ton of penalties, done a ton of drop passes. Uh, Jalen Waddle lost a fumble on, on a on a punt um, that obviously gave the ball back to the Bills in a situation near midfield. It goes on and on and on. There were no positive takeaways from that game. And not to say that they were going to beat the Bills at home, but they could have given themselves a chance. And instead of being one and one in time with the Bills and the Patriots, they could be two and oh and in first place by themselves. Uh, they did not do that. Now their quarterback situation is in limbo, and they did themselves no favors in that 35 to nothing shellacking at home against the Bills. Um, my loser is the Minnesota Vikings and Vikings coach Mike Zimmer. Mike, you're the coach of the Vikings. Have you ever watched a Vikings game? Do you know about the history of this franchise? When you were going for a game-winning kick, you don't kick it. You keep driving until you get a touchdown. You just forget the field goal. That is what you do. Vikings kicking history, kickers, everything. It's a house of horrors. Um, and that is not what happened. Instead of trying to get his kicker closer, he assumed that 37 yards was close enough, and it was not. And now the Vikings are 0-2 with two gut-punching losses. I guess the upside is that they're only going to be one game out of first place. Uh, but, you know, they are two plays away from being 2-0. And uh, the gut punching losses wear on you. So poor Minnesota, you're my losers. My losers are the or my loser is the Los Angeles Chargers because it feels like there's a chance with the Raiders playing well, the Broncos playing well. Obviously, the Chiefs are still there. They could be the only team that wouldn't in two and easily could be the only team that's not two and in that division. We're not for the Ravens' last second win. And it, is it? It might be possible. Like you wouldn't play the Cowboys. I understand their offense is good, but you held them to twenty points. You have to be able to outscore the Cowboys if they score 20 points. If you hold Dallas to 20 points, you have to go win that game and get to 2-0. and The Chargers, if Justin Herbert's playing incredible football, I'm worried they might be wasting the first early portion of his career and not giving themselves a chance to go win something big while he's still under that rookie contract. So for today's loss and the fact that they only scored 17 points, my loser is the Chargers. Mm. We also have some losers and winners from the chat. Wesley Carter says, winners, Raider, easy losers, Seahawks, because it paints Russ negatively. Uh, I guess that's a Wolfpack fan then. I would assume. Victor Garcia says, winners, Lamar, finally beat Mahomes, losers, Vikings, losing close games. Mike Zimmer should be on the hot seat. He is hot seat. 
He's on the hot seat for sure. We need a hot seat soundbite. Yeah. What does that sound like? Ow! Because it's like that's the sound you make when you're sitting on a hot seat. You're screaming. Gotcha. Clarence, he says, Winners, Raiders, Ravens, losers, Steelers. Oh, look at that. He even wrote pit, like armpit, Ryan. That's what you cheer for, an armpit. Well, Brenton like that one. Hey, he's not wrong. Thank you, Clarence. <laughs> Winner, Andy Dalton. Bob okay. Swirsky says, Winner, Andy Ooh. Dalton is down. Nobody is screaming at how it is a crime. He's starting over fields. Since, I don't know if Andy Dalton can be classified as a winner if he ended up. I'm gonna have to steal ACL. Bob's answer and make Andy Dalton my winner. Well, it's the last chance we had to use him as a winner for the next nine weeks. Everyone <laughs> thanks. <laughs> Everyone thank Breach for his sacrifice. Yeah, thank you for your hard work and sacrifice, Breach. As the only Dalton fan on the podcast. Yes, thank God we got to talk about Andy Dalton for the 50th straight Sunday in a row. All right, this, that's this it. That's a tight show. podcast. Kept it tight. <laughs> it's a sizzling grill hot seat sound. I like that idea. That's the show for Wilson and Breach. I am Brinson. We will see you guys tomorrow. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I feel it in my I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I'm a survivor. I am playing whatever role I got to play. I'm going to play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.